Good morning, my dear friends. This morning we're gathered together to invite the presence of the Lord here this morning. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on, let's invite his presence this morning. We love your Holy Spirit, Lord. We love your presence. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Let's invite his presence this morning. Hi, Roman. Hi, Jonah. Hallelujah. We invite your presence here this morning.
Good morning, church. That is who he is. Even though we don't see him, he is working, and I am proof of that. God is able, church. He's able to do abundance beyond what we can think or imagine. So just trust him this morning. Whatever it is that you have, just give it to him. Just bring it to the altar and give it to him because he is God and him alone is God. He alone is worthy of our praise. We're hurting, but God is able. We don't have to say anything. All we have to do is hold our hands up and surrender to him because he is God. Him alone is God. Oh, Father God, I worship you this morning, Lord God. Lord, the 27 Psalms, the first three verses, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble when evil come to devour me? When my enemy and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Well, illness, whatever you want to pull in the blank, put it in the blank because God is able. Though a mighty army surround me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident because one thing I know, you are God and you alone are God. Lord, we worship you this morning. Like the song says, even though you are God. So Lord God, we lift you up. We give you thanks. We praise you this morning, Lord God. And Father God, for all my brothers and sisters who need peace, healing, comfort, we give it to you this morning. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hey, CTC family. I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. Ministering to people in need is one of the central missions of our church. With Easter approaching, we are preparing again to assemble Easter baskets for children in shelters. Now through March 28th, we will be collecting candy, toothbrushes and toothpaste, and toys. These items can be dropped off in the mall area at the Bear or Ellesmere campus during office hours or service times. For more information, contact Ginger Carroll at 302-690-1308. As a church, we believe that God truly hears us when we pray. We can certainly pray on our own, but there's strength when we get together and pray. Every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. on Zoom, Pastor Vaughn and Gwen Montague host a prayer meeting where we take time to pray for needs that have been submitted as well as those that exist among those who attend the meeting. The prayer meeting is open to anyone. The meeting ID is 672-053-0101. Each week we have a number of activities and ministries that need food served. Some of those include our school, senior center, and our weekly Hope Lunch. We are currently looking for a new kitchen manager. This is a full-time position. For more information, visit our website and click on the Employment tab or email us at info at ctcde.church. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bayer Campus Office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus Office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can click the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. 
Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning. It is such a joy to be in the house of the Lord, don't you say? Good to be in God's presence and good to feel him loving us and pouring out his love on us and being merciful and gracious to us. That's just such a blessing, one that can't be replaced by anything else. We're so glad that you're here for everyone that's in the room and to everyone that's online. We always, always want to connect with you. So on your table, if you're in the room, you will find a connect card. If you're online, there is a tab that you can click that says connect. For all of us, please write your name and whomever is with you on that card so that we know that you're here. Also, if this is your first time here and you're in the room, outside of the celebration room to your left, there is a welcome center. We ask that you stop in after service and speak with the pastoral care staff that's there. We'd like to welcome you in a very special way. If you're online, click the welcome tab, and one of our trained service hosts, no, that's not correct, Click the welcome tab, and after worship, someone will reach out to you in a very special way to welcome you. Right now, as we transition into a period of giving, I'd like to remind you that on your table, there is a, an envelope for offering. If you're online, there is an opportunity to click give, and you may give back to the Lord a portion of what he has given to you. The importance of all of that is that our gifts that we give back to God are used to build the kingdom in so many ways throughout our community, throughout our nation, and even internationally as we support missions, missions-based projects overseas. One thing I know, that no matter how much we give to, back to God, we can never beat God giving, no matter how hard we try. And before... We pray over our offering today. Pastor Roger would like to offer a few words. Pastor Roger. Good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you have you here this morning. Uh, there are times in the life of a church when we, when, we, when we grieve together, and today is one of those days. And I'm sorry to, to say uh, that one of our brothers in Christ has passed away. Uh, Willie Williams, the husband of Sheila Williams, uh, has gone on to be with our Lord, and we're grateful for that. And so I just wanted to take this moment to let everybody know I'm I'm uh, I don't ever like to say I'm proud of the church um, because sometimes it can sound like I'm arrogant and I don't want to do that. I'm just so pleased with this body of Christ and the way that you all hold one another in prayer. And, and it makes me proud to be part of who you are. And uh, thank you for that. And I know that we'll do this. So let's take a moment. We'll pray for our offering. And uh, we'll also uh, lift up Sheila uh, and the family. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing that you give to us. Lord, we know that our bodies in this life are going to give out someday. We thank you for the life of Willie. We thank you for the friendship that he showed to so many people. 
We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come upon Sheila right now, that she would know your peace, that it might be a witness and a testimony to everybody uh, around her how great and wonderful you are. Uh, Lord, even through the tears, even through the, the feelings of anger, the feelings of frustration and the questions why, uh, Lord, you're still there, and we ask you to bind her up and hold her and her whole family together. We thank you for the body of Christ that we are part of and that we can hold one another. Lord, we pray for everyone today who is mourning for anybody, wherever they are. May your Holy Spirit come upon them and grant them the peace and comfort and love that only comes from you. Thank you for your everlasting life and the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you our tithes, our offerings today. We give you ourselves, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we continue in our worship this morning. He did it for the whole world. He did it for the whole world. Did you hear me, Sheila? He did it for the whole world.
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting for God so loved the world. He did it for the whole world. He did it for the whole world.
I give him praise this morning. He's a holy God, and he's worthy of our praise. And he is in this room right now, here with us. in the morning. Lord God, here we are. Here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down because you are our God. Lord, we come to you this morning with a heavy heart, Lord God, because our church family, we're hurting. But God, we know that you are God and we know that you are able. And we know that if we trust and we believe, Only you alone can heal and restore us. So, Father God, I lift it up to you this morning. I give you, I give each and every one of us to you, Lord God, that you work in us, Lord, like only you alone can work. Father God, we worship you this morning, Lord God. Father God, I give my sister Sheila up to you, Lord God, and ask that you heal her. You touch her in a special way, Father God. Let her know that you'll never, ever leave her nor forsake her, because that's what your word says in the Bible, Lord God, and we believe what the Bible says. So, Father God, we lift it up. We give it to you this morning, Lord God. Father God, we lift our great man of God, Pastor Roger, up to you this morning, Lord, as you get ready to speak the word, Lord God. Father God, I ask you this morning to let your Holy Spirit shine down on him like it has never shown before, Lord God. Open the church's eyes, Lord God, like we've never, like it has never been opened before, Lord God. Rain down your Holy Spirit, Lord God, because Father God, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your restoration. We need your healing. We need your peace that surpasses all understanding. Father God, is with these words, I give it to you, Lord God. You are holy, you are worthy, and we praise you, Father God. We ask this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
call out the first thing that comes to your mind. Would you please? All right, you're ready? Everybody's ready to, to give an answer? Here's the question. What's for supper? <laughs> I hear some good things. Uh, most, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. What's for, what's for dinner? What's for dinner online? Now, when somebody, when somebody, uh, the child walks out of the bedroom or wherever from playing their video games or wherever they are, and they walk upstairs and say, hey, Ma, what's for dinner? What's the response? Is that a, is that a, is that a happy question in your house? In our house, it's, we got four adults in our household, and it's, we, we kind of, it's an unspoken rule at this time that we're sharing the cooking responsibilities, and uh, it doesn't always go so well. <laughs> and probably your household might be the same way. Remember the old, uh, some of us are going to be able to remember an old television show from the 1970s called Hee Haw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm speaking to the old crowd here. And uh, remember Grandpa Jones? One of the sketches that they did on that. Grandpa Jones would stick his head out the out the window of the kitchen, and somebody would say, "Hey, Grandpa, what's for supper?" And here's this. I I, I looked up one of the scripts from the old Hee Haw show, and this is what Grandpa said was for supper. So the question was shouted. Well, let's see. Everybody shout it. Hey, Grandpa, what's for supper? When I point to you, one, two, three. What's for supper? Here's what's on the menu tonight. Turnips and greens, dumplings and corn, dumplings of corn and barbecued ribs. Boy, I'm sure glad I was born. A salad made of garden and stuff and coconut custard. Ain't that enough? There you go. I don't know. I always got a laugh from somebody. And I never understood that. Well, I was a kid. I didn't know. Why, why are they telling us what's for supper? And they're not giving me any. I <laughs> That's the part that I didn't understand. Jesus said, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those. I think it's important in each of these Beatitudes that we're studying in our series called From the Inside Out. Jesus is wanting to change our lives from the inside out. And so God gives us a blessing in order to do that. And as Jesus is, is telling us these things, he says, blessed are those. I want to reverse the grammar a little bit of these sentences and, and so that we can see it a little bit more clearly. Because we don't, you know, it's kind of like in our world, it's kind of like Yoda these days. It's Yoda talk when, when he puts the, uh, switches the predicate and the, and the subject of the verb. Blessed are those who are. We would normally say it. When you are hungry... And when you are thirsty, then you are blessed. These, that's, that's the logic of these Beatitudes. Jesus is wanting to give us a blessing. And that's why Jesus has come. Because Jesus wants us to live life fully and abundantly. And it is through Him, through following Him and His ways, that we experience the blessing that God has for us. Let's look at these Beatitudes in a little bit different way uh, and, and kind of review where we've been talking about it. I'm going to use very, our, our very modern language to, to interpret these things. So the first one a few weeks ago, blessed are we when we realize we need God. When we realize we need God, we are blessed in that very moment. It is a blessing to realize our need for God. And then 
Three weeks ago, we looked at blessed are though are we when we are mourned. We mourn over our failure to have followed God's ways in our lives. We, we mourn that. And then last week was we humble ourselves before God. And we are blessed when we humble ourselves before God. So today, here's the, here's the saying that I've got for us. Blessed when we long to act like children of God. Blessed are we when we long to act. Now, that's, that's, a, that's quite a, a translation, maybe quite simplified from the words hunger and thirst. But this is what Jesus is getting at. This longing, this desire, a deep desire, hungering and thirsting are natural desires for us. We can't live life without them. A few years ago, uh, in the, the church that I was pastoring, I, I met a, a young man who, when he was 12 years old, he had, he, he had gotten sick. He, had a, he spiked a fever. And the fever went so high that it, it caused brain damage to him. And brain damage that he continues to live with. And, and one of the things that he, that were the part of the brain that got damaged because of that fever is the part of the brain that processes his emotions. So he does not feel desire. And he can't process desire to know what to do about desire. So he has to be on a very tight schedule of when to eat and when to drink. Because when his body gets thirsty, his brain is not able to tell the rest of his body what to do in order to, to satisfy the hunger that his body has. So he has to be very careful and be on a schedule. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I mean, God has made us complex people. No doubt about that. <laughs> But to have to, to, to not be able to process desire is changes our lives, changes our lives. Here's an, here's uh, so we're looking at these these things, and today we get to this this verse, uh, chapter uh, verse six of Matthew chapter five. But let's read read these beatitudes beginning with Matthew chapter five verse three. So I'd like us, if you're in the room here, and even if you're at home. Let's read this out loud together. We've been reviewing it, and you can see it fairly clearly. So go ahead and let's read this out loud together uh, as I lead us. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Now we're going to look at this word that's translated in our reading for, as justice. This word justice, probably in most other translations, comes across as righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We need to learn a little bit what this righteousness means. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? This righteousness in this sense has two connotations. First is the sense of doing what is right. 
We all experience times in our life when we, when we, we experience something and we say, that's just not right. Right? You've heard that phrase? That's, that's just wrong. That's just not right. And even our children learn. So God has planted within each human being some kind of capacity to determine right from wrong. And even though, even though the basis for determining that may change over time, there's still something in every human being that has a sense that, that this is right, this is wrong. Even if it's just a very selfish sense. But it's still there, that ability to determine that ain't right. That's unjust. That's not fair. Our children, we, we hand out the jelly beans. We give blue jelly beans to this person. We give green jelly beans to this person. Red jelly beans to this, to this child. And somebody's going to say, I want the blue ones. That's not fair. So the sense of fairness is coming from some place. But what I'm saying is God has created in every human being a desire for righteousness. To figure it out. Psychologists and scientists have been... You know, for, for years have, have studied human beings and there are all kinds of people that have ideas about how this develops in children and things like that. But God has placed in us a desire for what is right. It's righteous. It's just. It's the right thing to do. So Jesus here is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to do the right thing. Thing. That's one sense of this word uh, righteousness or justice. Here's an ex- example from a movie about doing what is right. And it comes from the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia, the first movie. In the beginning of the movie, the children are sent away from London to avoid the bombing during World War II. This happened all across England. They sent the children off to the country houses and things like that. And these four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, have been sent off, uh, the four of them without their parents, to live in a country house. The house happens to belong to a professor, uh, lives in this great big house, and he hired a nanny to take care of the children because the professor does not want to be bothered by the children. (laughs) But the children have a problem. The two youngest children... Uh, are getting emotional, and the two older children, Peter and Susan, are talking with the professor in this clip about what to do about it. And here's the professor's advice to them. Let's watch this clip. You seem to have upset the delicate internal balance of my housekeeper. Very sorry, sir. It won't happen again. It's our sister, sir, Lucy. Weeping girl. Yes, sir. She's upset. Hence the weeping. It's nothing. We can handle it. Oh, I can see that. She thinks she's found a magical land. In the upstairs wardrobe. What did you say? Um, the wardrobe upstairs. Lucy thinks she's found a forest inside. She won't stop going on about it. What was it like? Like talking to a lunatic. No, no, no. Not her. The forest. You're not saying you believe her. You don't? Well, of course not. I mean, logically, it's impossible. What do they teach in schools, you say? 
Edmund said they were only pretending. And he's usually the more truthful one, is he? No. This would be the first time. If she's not mad and she's not lying, then logically, we must assume she's telling the truth. You're saying that we should just believe her? She's your sister, isn't she? You're a family. You might just try acting like one. <laughs> that phrase. One of my favorite phrases in the movie. You might just try acting like one. Your family. You might just try acting like a family. We can believe we're family all day long. I believe I'm in, I'm in the family of the Fredericks. I remember my grandmother telling me when I went off to college, she says, remember who you are. You're a Frederick. Act like it. Jesus is saying to us, if you're in my family, you might just try acting like a member of my family. And, and I'm not saying this to scold us, to yell at us. I'm saying this because Jesus is telling us that to be righteous, we have to act righteous. This is the first sense of this word righteous. You can't just believe that I'm righteous and I'm right. You have to act righteous. There's a, there's a will, there's a decision, and there's an action that follows. We have, Jesus is saying to us, do as I teach you to do. Yes, we have to believe. We have to act also. Righteousness. Doing the will of God. Becoming like Christ. Righteousness is not hoping that I'll be like Christ. Righteousness is not dreaming that, that, that I'm like Christ. Righteous, righteousness is not just believing what we ought to do. It's actually doing it. <laughs> and we have to do. If we expect to receive and experience the promise and the blessings that God has for us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to do what is right. Do we say, O oh Lord, I desire to do what you want me to do today? Do we wake up saying that? Sometimes I don't. Maybe I'll be more honest. Many days, I don't. Am I aware of this? John Wesley talked about righteousness. God created us in His image. And if we think that God is a righteous God, then we've got to have some sense of understanding that God created us, who, are, who reflect His image, are also created to be righteous. To become like Christ. So as we're moving through this, this world and, and, and God is teaching us, this is how I want you to live. And I want you to do these things. We become what we do. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. I, I, I got a lot of pizza. <laughs> I wrote about that in the email that I sent out this week. I said, I like pizza. I remember one day when I was younger, I ate so much people, I literally made myself sick. And I said, this is not healthy. (laughs) 
this hunger that I have is not leading me to the kind of life that I want to live. I'm not doing what I know is right. But I have this desire. I have this hunger. You are what you eat. If we want God's righteousness, God's justice here on earth, we individually and as a body, as a people, if we want God's justice and righteousness on earth, we are... We are the ones who must long for it. And when we long for justice, we have to do those things that bring justice. We can't treat people unjustly expecting somebody else to bring justice. We are the ones that have to act rightly and justly to one another. We can't sit around and watch injustice happen over here We have to get over there and do and act rightly and love justice and walk humbly with our Lord. As Micah 6.8 says, we have to do justice in this world. We can't just pray for it and hope for it. We have to act on it. Righteousness is active in our world. That's the first sense of righteousness. But then there's this other sense of righteousness also that is a spiritual state, a spiritual condition of being in a right relationship with God. This is the forgiveness part of of righteousness. This is the cleaning the slate part of righteousness. And this this is beyond doing what is righteous. It is having a right relationship. And just as God created every human being to to desire to do what is right and and that sense of right and wrong in our lives, as we grow up, we learn, okay, and even as societies, we societies decide this is right, this is not right, that's that's wrong, etc., and it is a communal thing that we do. There are some places where, it's, where we agree on, on what is right and wrong. And then you go to another place and you do what you think is right. But all of a sudden you realize that, that society, that community doesn't do that. They think that's wrong. Uh-oh. What have I done here? We've got some things that we have to work out. But, and, and there are many times that we have to ask for forgiveness and we have to offer forgiveness. And Jesus tells us to do that because He has done it. God created us also to have a sense of when a relationship is, is broken. I remember that even as a child. Children understand when they do things they're not supposed to do. I think I remember the time when my children... and, and Uh-oh talking about my daughter again. No, be careful. (laughs) I'm not going to say which child was more likely to lie to us. (laughs) But as children grow up, you know, we parents, we, 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 we sense things, we know things. We have a little bit more life experience than our children do. (laughs) And we can sense these things. And I remember trying to help one of my children understand don't lie to us. We can tell when you're lying to us. We know when it's, when it's happening. Because God gives us a sense. Because that child knows when that child is lying. That child knows when there's a separation. That child begins to avoid and hide and, and not think that we don't know all the information that we know. And we try to do that with God, too. But the truth is, God knows it all anyway. 
He sees it all anyway. So you might as well come clean with God and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I am not living the life that you want me to live. We have this sense of right and wrong, this sense of righteousness. And Jesus came to forgive us and restore us. I remember the time when, when my brother caught me doing something I wasn't supposed to do and I knew I was in trouble. And, I, and if I didn't tell mom or dad what I had done, I knew that my brother would tell on me. So I got smart and I decided, well, I'm going to tell on myself. <laughs> I knew that I had disobeyed mom. And I knew that I was hiding something. And I didn't like that. Because I knew that my mother loves me. And I was hiding something from her. And I needed forgiveness. So I said, and, and this is one of those things, I, I remember it vividly. I was six years old. And mom had told me, don't do that. Over and over and over again. But I kept doing it. My brother caught me. Ah, I'm going to tell on you. So I went to mom and I said, now, I was smart, uh, even even at six. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a very rational thinker. You can probably tell that. Even as a six-year-old, I was rationalizing. And and I said to my mom, instead of telling her what I what actually I did, I was sly. And I said, Mom. What do we do when we keep doing things we know we're not supposed to do, but we keep doing them? I didn't tell her what I did. And she was more sly than me. And she, she didn't say, well, what did you do now? Which would have been a natural question. She just answered my question. She said, you ask for Jesus' help. So what I'd like you to do, Roger, is I'd like you to go upstairs, kneel beside your bed, and ask Jesus to forgive you, but then ask Jesus to help you not do those things anymore. And I went upstairs. I don't remember what I prayed. I remember coming back downstairs. Mom was washing dishes at the sink. And all I said to her was, I did it. And she took her wet hands, her arm, and just wrapped it around me and said, I love you. Aww. <laughs> There was forgiveness and a restoration of the relationship. And even as a six-year-old, even though I couldn't talk about it the way I can talk about it now, rationally and with some understanding of psychology and forgiveness and all these things that we learn as we get older, I knew that my relationship with my mother was right. And my relationship with God was also right. And I desired that right relationship with both my mom and my God. Righteousness. A clear conscience. Guiltless. We fail to live out the image of God in our lives. God's image gets twisted in us and, and, and warped. God created us in God's image. Every human being is created to reflect the very image of God. But because of sin in our lives and our own choices and, and things that we do and say and think, we say, no, God, I'm not going to follow your ways. God, I'm not going to do what you tell us to do. I'm going to do it my way. 
And it warps us. I like walking through a, a house of mirrors, of curvy mirrors. I have this shape, okay? It's not the most athletic shape in the world, a little flabby. <laughs> but it's who I am right now. And I walk into a, a, a curved mirror and I look at it and all of a sudden my stomach goes way out to here. I walk over to the next one. The stomach, stomach goes to this and my head's way out here. It's distorted. God didn't create me that way. God created me His way. But because I refuse to do what God asks me to do, and trust Him, I don't get to live out the life that God has for me. In Jesus, God is acting out His own desire for righteousness. Remember I said we're created in God's image, and God says, blessed are you when you desire righteousness and justice. That, care, that quality of desiring righteousness and justice is put there by God because God is a just and a righteous God and desires for His people to be just and right also. And so, when we're not, God had to do something. So He sent His Son Jesus in Jesus. God is acting out His own desire that we can be remade into the people that we were created to be and clearly and fully reflect the image of God, becoming like Christ in all things we do. God is working through Jesus to restore us to Himself because that's where we belong. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15 through 19 reads this way. And this is, this is Paul's description. The Apostle Paul describes what God is doing in Jesus. And he says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive His new life, we get to receive Jesus' new life. So that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So, look at this word. So we have stopped evaluating others. Evaluate. Making judgments against others. Determining who they are, what they are, whatever. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That's a consequence of new life in Christ. We stop judging others. That, 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 that nips me a little bit. <laughs> a little bit more than a nip, to be honest. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, past tense, a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of re reconciling people to Him. 
It is right. Remember I said that this desire for righteousness lands us in a right relationship with God, which is where we belong. And He gives us that task, the body of Christ, of reconciling people to Him. Because, verse 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. So why should we? And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God's given us a great gift through Jesus Christ. A couple illustrations of people in the Bible who are considered to be righteous. Let's go back to the Old Testament. A man named Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. Abraham was selected by God and God gave a promise to Abraham. And Abraham never would have received or fulfilled that promise if he was not willing to trust God, to have a right relationship with God, and then to do as God told him to do. So here we read these words about Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 5. I'm going to find it in my Bible. Then the Lord took Abram... Hadn't changed his name yet. That's that's coming up in a couple of chapters. But now he's still called Abram. And he says to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. (laughs) It's like going out onto the beach and saying, count the grains of sand if you can. I look up into the sky and we might start we we might start to say, okay, there's one. But then very quickly we begin, the longer we stare into the, into the dark sky, the more we're going to see new stars popping up. And we think, oh, did I open that one? It's kind of like counting, if you've ever been in the celebration room here, I don't know how many children during boring sermons, which are none, of course. <laughs> I remember being a child, four or five years old, going to church with my family and grandma and grandpa, and everybody was there. And, and I, I'd get bored with the preacher just yakking. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd lay down, I'd stretch out on the pew, put my head on Grandma's lap. And, and I'd look up at the ceiling and I'd count the lights. They're up there. Did you ever try to count these lights in this room? It's nearly impossible. Because they're not all in a straight line. <laughs> so frustrating. God says to Abraham, look up in the sky and see if you can count the stars. He says, that is how many descendants you will have. Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. But Abraham's righteousness didn't stop with faith. Abraham's righteousness moved from faith to action. And so must ours. So must ours. Abraham was required to act on his trust in God if he expected at all to experience the fullness of the promise that God has. Too many of us are living our Christian life taking taking in faith what Jesus has done for us, saying thank you very much, but we are not going to live the way that Jesus teaches us to live. Do you really think you're going to experience the truth of what Jesus is teaching if you're not willing to do it? 
A teacher can teach you how to write, but you're never going to you're never going to learn how to write unless you actually put a pencil in your hand and do it. I experience that every week when I'm trying to write a sermon. <laughs> I got to sit down at my desk and actually do it. I got all kinds of thoughts in my head, but until I until I get them down on paper, I don't see what's all that's going to come out of it. Another example, that was Abraham from the New Testament. Joseph, Mary's husband. Matthew chapter 1. We know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was chosen by God. And this is, this is how Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his this people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. I read farther than what we had uh, on the screen uh, Because I wanted you to hear that Joseph, this phrase here that says Joseph was a good man in the original language is the word righteous. God looked at Joseph and other people looked at Joseph and said because of his actions, Joseph does the right thing. So what was the right thing in this situation? You have to realize in reading that, that piece of the story that even though Joseph, we say Joseph did the right thing, but actually Joseph did the wrong thing according to the Jewish law. The right thing according to the Jewish law was to go to the priest and say, my wife to, who, or to whom I was promised is pregnant and not from me. It obviously was from another man. And the law says she is to be taken out, stoned, and killed. That's the righteous thing in the eyes of the religious law. But Joseph is a righteous man. (laughs) And refuses to divorce her publicly. And so instead of taking her to the priest, Joseph says, I'll marry her anyway. Because God said, this is God's plan, and I'll take care of you. Do this. Marry, marry. And be the father to this child. Raise him. We don't know what happens to Joseph after that. What we know is that Joseph is called a righteous man. These are these two senses but neither Abraham nor Joseph is able to fulfill and, and, and realize what God has promised them without first trusting and secondly willing to act on what God is telling them to do. And so it brings us back to what is our hunger 
today? Do we really hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do we hunger and thirst for God's justice in ourselves, in our world? Are we really willing to trust God and then act on what God is teaching us to do? Because if we're not, we're not really going to see the consequences and the results of trusting God. We've got to do it. So the invitation today, the next steps, or, or however we want to call it, is, is a time of confession, a time of being uh, real with God, a time of saying, Lord, I know there are things in my life that are not right. I need you. I desire to do what is right in your eyes, God. I know. I trust. I believe that you did create me with your image in me. And I believe that I have sinned and I have turned away from that and taken it a different direction. And God, I'm sorry for those things. I need your Holy Spirit to empower me. If you make that decision today, that's, that's the question. And I'd love for you, you don't have to tell me about it, but I'd love to have conversation with anybody. I'd love to pray with anybody about that. And there are ways you can do that. You can do online. You can fill out a connect card. Just say, hey, Pastor Roger, this is what I'm, this is what God's doing in my life. If you're here in the room, you can still make those decisions. You can put it on the, on the, on the, on the connect card or on the envelope and leave it in the basket. I'd love to pray with you. Or... We have some people here. We have the prayer stations back. And uh, if you'd love to come to a prayer station and just pray with somebody. Or come here at the platform and pray together while we sing our last song. We'd be glad to pray with you about that. Let's pray together. I invite you to stand with me if you're in the room and if you're at home. Uh, We're going to sing a song. And let's just have a time of prayer and uh, listening to God and talking to God while we sing this song. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for loving us. Thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank You, God, for desiring us to be righteous and to to create people so that we can live fully and wholly with You all our lives. And thank You, God, that the life that You give to us in our mother's womb is an eternal life. It doesn't stop gives us such great hope, Jesus. Forgive us our sins. Give us your Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us into the right relationship with you and with all other people that you desire for us to have. We need you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.
being with us this morning. Go forth from here. And may that hunger and that thirst constantly be yours. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We praise the Lord today. Thank you. Go forth and hear the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.